were. Do it. Yeah. Hello, welcome to Fox Always the Podcast. Welcome. Well, welcome to Tony. Seth, you here. I got friend, good co-host Tim Stendewitz. Good co-host, and, yep. And best guest is, is Diane Mike. Oh, I'm the special today. guest today? Yes. Nice. <laughs> nice. Hey, do you want to tell them what you did this morning? Um, what did we get up early to do? I went up early. I, I did doing a rap. He did a rap, ladies and gentlemen. So, so his what? his middle school, it's really, a, it's really <laughs> a, like kindergarten through eighth school and they do a great job but they have a uh they have a little uh hip-hop group called the what are they the couch rappers yeah. and the, these guys are the sweetest guys seth uh, idolizes them <laughs> like crazy and um and so so they invited seth to come up and do a rap with them <laughs> this morning in front of the whole school yes <laughs> and so what did you rap do you remember yeah okay go ahead give us a little bit of it Okay, let's do this. Let's do this. Yeah. Hi, it's me. It's me. Seth Erie. Seth Erie Thomas. Cash Rappers. I'm Aquarius. Yeah, I'm of Pops. I'm of Tim. Stafford. Oh, nice. Fuck Jersey Podcast. Woo! It's Seth Pierce. Yeah! <laughs> Way to go, big boy. <laughs> Way to go. So we get a little set today because it's a half day. Because it's before the three-day weekend. And it was his it was his house day. So Karatikus. Karatikus. I don't know what that is, but that's his house. Yeah, we're and you're gonna go see Nate with Mama this weekend, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be great. Yeah. Yeah. What's daddy gonna do? Um I'm gonna chill. Yeah. Daddy might get to the house all to himself for two days. I'm gonna get Tim Stafford. Yeah, I know. Maybe Tim Stafford come over. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Tell everyone bye. Your chicken nugs are ready. Chicken nugs. See you guys. All right. <laughs> See you, Voxology. Let's go, Rackets, dude. Let's go, Karatikus, dude. <laughs> oh. Oh. Wait a second. We've got pound it, noggin, pound cheek. Pound it, noggin, cheek, kiss and kiss. See ya. Nice. Oh, that's, like a, that. that's a signature sign-off. Pound it, noggin, cheek, kiss. Yeah. Perfect. Kisses. So that's a signature <laughs> sign-off. It's a gentleman, Seth Erie is, yeah, he, he's a man fully immersed in the uh, digital culture. So, well done, Mr. Seth. You know, I got to say, bro, um, the way his school, I mean, as far as we know, but, but when I'm there and watching it, um, the way his school treats him is just, it's just amazing. School and your church. Oh, our church is freaking church freaking rocks too. He closes. If you're not familiar, he closes our services every week at the eleven o'clock service. So it's amazing. <laughs> um, Timothy, how are you? We just literally we just hit record. I haven't That's even right. said hi to my friend yet. I'm good. Um, because we're you know, I just oh and I just did a, another podcast. I was a guest on a podcast. It was in the up just before this. Like, just before this, bro. Yeah, it was very, 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 well, I don't know about that or or they were desperate. But <laughs> if you want somebody who can fill an hour's worth of like airtime, like I'm your guy. If you want a guy that can hang and ask great questions with a guy who can hang and talk for an hour, Tim's your guy. <laughs> and I mean, I don't know. Anyway, that was fun. Um, Timothy, so you're doing okay? Yeah. 
Is that is your house healthy? Your house everybody cold? is currently healthy. Yeah, <clears throat> it's cold. It's been cold for. I mean, it's just cold because I'm down in my little cave. But yeah, it has been cold lately and raining. Tell me about cold. I thought you liked cold and raining. I would assume I do. That's your I love that's it. your weather pattern. But I hear everybody else griping about it. Like when the groundhog popped out and saw his or whatever, whatever the. Did he see it? Did he not see it? Which one means spring is coming earlier? No idea. Don't well, care. spring no is coming idea. earlier, apparently, and they're all excited. And I was like, really? It's going to be hot soon enough. We went river rafting, my wife and I, Whoa. in the winter, cold river la- this last weekend. What? And it was insane. <laughs> so you had wetsuits on, hopefully. Wetsuits and gloves and booties, and it was still freezing. Can I ask you, can I ask you a question? I mean... Yes. So... They do offer these trips in the summer when the water is warmer. We also do it in the summer. This was this were oh this is a new thing. We have a buddy who has his own boat and so oh. he's teaching my wife how to lead because she's really she's having so much fun with it. So he oh, lets her that. guide through some of these rapids. So just the three of us on a not a full like a smaller raft. Yeah. But we're doing, you know, up to class four in the winter and it was it was cold. <laughs> Dude. But it was Holy fun. Cow. It's a great way to spend an afternoon. That's that's fantastic. I could see Shauna doing that. The teacher yeah, boys coming it. out. Uh-huh. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, there's there's been a lot of, of stuff going on. I mean, first of all, we have a new Pearl Jam song. So it's true. Um, Gen Xers rejoice. Um, it's called Dark Matter off of their like titled LP, Dark Matter. And it I mean, what do you think? Do you like it? I do like it. I don't think it's, they're like, it's our best work ever. It's like, well, let's just say it's your best work today. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I have to quantify everything, but it's like, it's fun. It's hard. Dudes in their sixties making hard music still, which is fun. Yeah. And I love like you, like you said, it has that um, stones playing through that drum machine pedal that he uses. on UR. So that's fun. That's one of my favorite songs of theirs. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah, today, yeah. My, like one of my favorite current bands, Idols, put out a new record, and it's already great. The Idols? They're just called Idols. And not Idols like yeah. I-D-O-L-S. It's I-D-L-E-S. Like of course. Idol. Yeah. Like Eric yeah. Idol or I Have Too Much Time On My Hands, Idol. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> not Idol Worship. I mean, let's just be clear about that. No. That's awesome. I was just <laughs> rocking out in preparation for – our podcast, uh, very often I will put on some grunge music. And so Audio Slave Like a Stone was played in our household. Yeah, Seth Theory likes it. Seth Theory is a fan. Um, I don't know why I brought that up other than we're talking about Gen X music. music. Um, we've got today what I want to do is we've got some further clarifying questions to get through, <laughs> which is not shocking. Let's just be honest about that. Um but when we talked about outcomes um, and kind of patience and being faithful versus being effective, that stirred up a number of questions from our community. Um, oh, and you know what else stirred up a number of questions is that – did you know there was a big football game on last weekend? I don't know if you're aware of this. Um, mm. It's the Super Bowl. It's not about soup. Um, it is, yeah, I know. I love this soup. It's a football game. And were you aware? I don't know if you were aware. Um, You know, you know, we had some people over, but the highlight was, uh, 
we found out there's a really good Mexican market in the far corner of our little town. Like I didn't even know it was there. And oh my goodness, the tacos that we had were something else. See, that's perfect. I, I expect that from you. I, I won the Super Bowl. I so I watch. I don't like watching the Super Bowl with people because I actually <laughs> like football. Yeah, that's how my good buddy next door, and he's a huge 49ers fan. He's like, I don't want to go to any parties. I don't want anybody uh-uh. in my house. Uh-uh. <clears throat> so my wife and I are just sitting on the couch, and I'm, you know, talking about what they're doing and and rewinding and whatever else, and I'm just having a great time. And there's no one there to comment on the commercials and whatever else. <laughs> but Jesus made an appearance, Tim. I don't know if you heard that. I did. I saw those. Uh, he gets us. If the goal of the He Gets Us campaign was to rile up all sides of Christian Twitter, it succeeded. Mission accomplished. If that was the goal, perfect. I mean, the hot takes were <laughs> being taken. I mean, we had, let's spend $7 million on the poor, um, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, we also had the, well, Jesus did teach us to hate because <laughs> they were reacting to the, the foot washing one that said uh-huh. Jesus was against hate or Jesus didn't teach hate. And they're like, actually he did. He said to hate your mother and father. So there um, you had the, uh, the Mark Driscoll take, Hey, yeah, of course Jesus washes feet, but he still, he still sent Judas to hell. Um, right. I saw that too. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, Hey dude, foot washing, that's really just something Jesus does for his disciples. So, the idea that he'd do it for all these unbelievers as well. Driscoll's got to be exhausted with the amount of just vitriol he's created over the last. I don't think so. I think that's. Years. I think that's like nitro fuel for him. that guy. Yeah, that's his yeah. rumble. Yeah, I just. I think. Yeah, and and you know the fact that people st- still pay attention. What can we do? Um, the fact that we have an audience, you know, is almost as shocking. So it's true. Who you know, discerning Perhaps minds. More. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it was it was just funny because I, I was just I was just living into like my kids didn't even note it. I mean, they just it flew right by them. It wasn't like if, it, if they're targeting people who are really far from the church. I just don't know. I don't know. man. I mean, um, I, I would pay seven million dollars for a community of people to actually live that way. I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. So not that I have 7 million, not that you could buy that, but I'm just saying it was just interesting. Did you have any thoughts on it? I mean, it was, it's just funny what I opened Twitter up Monday and and expecting, you know, man, the demonic halftime show or something. Um, (laughs) And instead I'm pummeled with, he does not get us. That is not the gospel. And I don't know, do you have thoughts? I don't care. It's all there. It is. It's all there just it so. It, none of it means anything. I don't. I think I it, in my twenties maybe I would have gotten really riled up about like how like about that spending money for no. But it's like I don't. I don't feel like it's. I don't feel like I'm a part of the same religion. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> so I watch that. I'm like, whatever. Have fun. Yeah. I mean, all the Super Bowl is 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 exactly that. It's all like a giant advertising campaign for something. Oh my goodness! And then you look who's behind the he gets us, and it's like Hobby Lobby and these corporations who have put some money into some much more nefarious things that <clears throat> I don't support. So whatever, whatever, wow. guys. You know, Tim he had a great line us. years years ago. Maybe it was a year ago. He just said, "I'm too tired to be jealous." 
It's true. <laughs> and I think that's, I think at some point you just get like pummeled by life into submission where you're like, eh, it's just not worth the energy. But I, I always just find it interesting that the, 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 the conversation around does Jesus teach hate becomes a yes, he does. No, he doesn't kind of option. It's just, it's just funny. It's just it is funny. And t- I was reading today this morning that one in five Americans believe that Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are part of this like dark, like, you know, underground thing to get Biden elected. And they're, they're working for this covert government organization. No one in way. five, no one way. in five Americans believe that there was microchips in the COVID vaccine that blah, 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 blah. And, I, I I don't I don't buy that it's that high. Statistics statistics be damned. I don't buy that it's that high. But okay, <laughs> I don't know. it's pretty wild. <clears throat> but then I'm just like, how does so I associate some of that stuff with that too, where it's like, how does truth can truth cut through the garbage and rise to the top? Or because that was if the it's embodied. Well, that was the uh, thought with Facebook. He said that he thought like truth will always permeate to the top. It will always be a thing. And what have we found is this exactly the opposite. That's just a breeding ground for. <laughs> yeah. And that statement didn't rise to the top. So. Nope. <laughs> oh, so great. Just, it's so fun being a part of all this right now. There was a Deadpool trailer um, though with Wolverine that broke the internet. That, that was solid. And I will say my oldest son, Nate is very excited for Kung Fu Panda four. I didn't even know there was a uh, three or there two was really a three. for that matter. They're, and they're all solid. I mean, they're all solid. But Love Jack Black. You guys aren't tuning in to hear two middle-aged <laughs> white guys talking about pop culture. Like, <laughs> I know I know that for sure. I know we're this still is a new shocked. podcast. Popology. We're still, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pop culture by two dads. So it would be pop's culture. There it is. Um, Papa culture. Seth did give me a shout out in the middle of his rap, though. He's oh, like, shut so up, great. Pops. I'm like, all day. <laughs> all day, dude. All Love day. Because he Love mostly it. calls me Mike. Yeah. You know? So he didn't do shout out Mike. He just shout out Pops. And I'm like, well, come does on. He have a hip-hop, does he have a hip-hop name? Um, No, he's he, he's just a fan of his own name. Yeah. So as we've talked about before, he and his older brother write, and I say write very loosely. <laughs> they do. That's songs. great. So it's, so it's often something about Seth Eager being the greatest, which, I mean, of course. What, what else would you talk about if you're Seth Eager? <laughs> it's just amazing. It's just amazing. Pops. So anyway, it was just so sweet to see these junior high boys, you know, who are like they, – they, so we went to Seth's uh, winter choir concert and these guys performed. And they're like thanking their manager and their social media. I mean, and, and it's and it's hilarious. It's yeah, just it's so, so endearing because it's they're you know they're taking this very junior yeah. high seriously. Yeah. And uh, and Seth just went absolutely berserk. So he was in the <laughs> choir sitting behind them, and that boy started rocking. Like like we thought maybe he was having a seizure. We weren't quite sure. He was going he was going <laughs> absolutely. Nuts. Yeah, I love it. So these kids would just invite him to come up and do a little rap, yeah, um, and stand up there as the, as, as they do it. It was just yeah, hilarious, it's wonderful, it was, man. So sweet. So so that's where if I get off social media, and I'm like, that's where I see good. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's just a whole lot of awful out there, but 
you know, there was there was something that was done on Twitter um, about what percentage of the population has a Twitter account, what percentage of the population posts more than once a month. And it was such a tiny fraction right. of the real world population that it was like, oh, yeah, this is all. This, this doesn't all matter. Done. Yeah. No, this does. This does not matter. Back to good fruit, bad fruit. Good fruit, bad fruit. Outcomes and effectiveness. Uh, we got this email in the most recent Q&R episode, episode 441. You discussed evaluating good and bad fruit to address the first question, and then you discussed not controlling outcomes to address the second question. Can you help me tease apart fruit and outcomes? Hmm. I love this question. I find controlling outcomes to be so prevalent around me that when I look to evaluate fruit, I find I look at outcomes. Oh, so genius. Our community is so freaking smart. I see communities that highly value outcomes, only look at outcomes, and are blind to good fruit. I see other communities that say they don't value outcomes at all and are blind to bad fruit. Hmm. But appreciate hearing your thoughts on the podcast. Well, I would appreciate it if you have the other resources that you could help turn my attention to fruit instead of outcomes. And then another, uh, another one along those same lines. Could you do a podcast to remind me of a more extensive treatment episode? on how Jesus is not oriented around efficiency and controlling outcomes. This is the constant tension in our megachurch. I've pointed to John 6 and how he's abandoned and looks at his disciples and says, hey, you know, are you guys going to leave too? And then to several of the outcomes in Acts. I would, it would also be really helpful where we see that faithfulness. Uh, that faithfulness is the call. All right. So, my friend, let's, let's do this. Let's do some teasing out. Or picking of the brain, which are just such interesting turns of phrase. <laughs> so, so fruit is um, is a form of outcome for sure. Uh, a, another way of saying result of something, yes. But an outcome, the difference is is the pre planning. An outcome, in my mind, is something that you can achieve through strategy and steps and effort and will. Fruit is something that you don't accomplish through any of those things. And that's where the agricultural metaphor of fruit really helps us. So Jesus, this is one of my favorite parables of Jesus. As I get older and less concerned about outcomes, this is so genius. He says, this is Mark, I think it's Mark 4. He says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel. And I think that that, that picture, a man scatters seed or a, a woman scatters seed, and then they go to sleep. <laughs> and, and that phrase, all by itself. Now, obviously, the farmer can help or hinder the growth, but the farmer doesn't produce the growth. There's no, the farmer doesn't control the outcome. The farmer just in, controls the environment where fruit can be produced, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the difference for me between fruit and outcome. Outcome is something that I, I see is under my control. We're going to baptize 50,000 people, which means in the next 10 years, which means we've got to do... 5,000 a year, which means we've got to do 600 a month, which is whatever it is. I mean, I don't know what my, my math is, but 
Um, and, and you just sort of, you do programs and you, it's your goal and whatever else. What I see in fruit, and this is what Alan, uh, cry Kreider, Uh-oh. making sure I pronounce that right. was getting <laughs> at in his book, patient ferment. That's why he loves the ferment mm-hmm. kind of illustration is you introduce something and then it has a life of its own. And this is what the kingdom of God is like. It has a life of its own. Our job is to be faithful in scattering the seed, right? Preaching and embodying the kingdom in the metaphor. Uh, And it's God's job to cause the growth. Paul uses this same metaphor when he talks about he and Apollos planning the church in Corinth. He says, what what after all is Apollos, right? Well, the, the church there thought he was this really gifted rhetorician that was much more impressive than Paul. And what is Paul? I mean, Paul planted the church and a lot of the converts had come through Paul's ministry. But he says, what are these guys? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So this is why faithfulness, this is where faithfulness comes in. Paul planted, he was faithful to plant. Apollos watered, he was faithful to water. But God caused the growth, the outcome, the fruit. And this is where I think the the implicit invitation to be faithful comes when you look at the tenor of all the New Testament writings to churches. None of the churches are called to do great things for God in the world. Rather, they're called to properly reflect uh, their image bearing as witnesses to the resurrected Jesus in new creation community. And so that's what faithful means. They're they're invited to keep living into their identity as opposed to outcomes, which are things you can measure in your behavior. You can't measure patience. There isn't a test that says um, how patient you are or have you grown in patience over the last year? How are you more kind or joyful or peaceful? Outcomes are things you can measure. Fruit, you can tell, but you can't measure it in the same way, right? It's, it's, um, it's a it's a cultural thing you sort of pick up. It's a it's a a flavor, if you will, or a smell. It's something that's in the ambient culture. It's not something that you're pointing to, saying, "Guys, we're going to work at being more patient this year." And then here's our plan to do that. Does that make sense so far? Yeah. So fruit can be an outcome, and I would want the outcome of our community to be. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Absolutely. But what's my job in it? Can we produce that? And the answer is no. That's why it's not an outcome. I can't produce it. My job, though, is to, because I do work in the world, to create environments where those things are valued, where those things can develop, where those things are um, prioritized over other you know, less important, but maybe more tangible things like, hey, is our church growing in numbers or whatever? So I have a part to play, but that part is faithfulness. That part isn't control or outcomes. Mm-hmm. So the idea that a farmer scatters seed, I love it. And then he goes to bed. Now, obviously, <laughs> you can weed and water and you can do the things, but by itself, it grows. And if he says that's what the kingdom is like, then the role of the church is to provide environments where that growth happens, but it's not, and it can never be under our control. Right. And the 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 just 
absolute horrible move that we've made in the American church, at least in my branch of it, has been to define leadership as controlling outcomes and envisioning outcomes. So the church, we want to have nine campuses, you know, by the year 2030. Or um, we want everyone to go through this program. Um, and, and, I, and, and that's fine. I, I'm nothing against strategic planning. But it's very easy to substitute outcomes for fruit and, and, and kind of use them synonymously. Who cares if another campus is coming to your city? I mean, you've been wrestling with this all the time, right? For yeah. the church that's bringing another campus to your city, they're looking at that going, see, that's proof that God is working. Mm-hmm. The churches in the city, some of them anyway, are going, see, that's proof that, that God isn't at work and that, that something else is, that some Absolutely. other agenda is at work. Yeah. And so, so you very rarely see Paul or any of the New Testament writers um, like point to outcomes. So, I mean, Paul will say, yeah, this is how many times I was shipwrecked. <laughs> um, this is how many times, you know, I was bitten by a snake. But he will rarely, I mean, I can only think of one place where he says, yeah, I think I baptized a couple people, but I try not to baptize anybody. I don't know. Like he's never <laughs> leading with like the outcomes of his ministry. If he's, if he's ever bragging about anything, it's like how much he's been persecuted for the no sake of- No wonder Agambas is a Pauline scholar. Everything you just said sounded like words he would have said. Yeah, I baptized, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Gambas says, Gambas, I mean- Paul and Gambus are may, maybe the same person. I kind of just get that flavor. It's like, eh. <laughs> yeah. So, so the difference between fruit and outcomes, it seems to me, and I'm sure there are much more like philosophical treatments of this, but the way I understand the difference is that I cannot produce fruit. Yeah. I can plant apple trees that can produce fruit, but I can't produce fruit. Um, but I can produce outcomes. Yeah. And, um, and so that outcome can be, yeah, 30, I want to read 30 pages today or I want to whatever, right? I got all, I got that all day. When churches, because churches, um, okay, because in mega church land, and it doesn't matter how big your church is, like mega church is a state of mind. It's a, it's a mm. value system that prioritizes certain things above other things. And so often in that value system, outcomes are mistaken for fruit, as we've said, Mm -hmm. so that you get, hey, what's the fruit of our church? Well, Rick Warren will say, right, when he retired, hey, 1.6 million pastors have been mentored, 50,000 people have been baptized, like that's the fruit. Mm -hmm. And you're like, no, no, that's all, that's all the scattering seed. The fruit happens by itself. Um, So I've been, you could say I've been faithful, and we've tried to train pastors and we've tried to, but to like to name and, and number all the things that you've done. It's kind of like, well, that's never, that's not a New Testament option. <laughs> we're never boasting in our accomplishments. So right. when we are saying that we're not controlling outcomes, um, that means that I go to sleep. I can live in completeness. I can live in short-term failure. I, I, excuse me, I can live in incompleteness. I can mm-hmm. live in short-term failure. I can live in limitation, right? I, I, I scattered maybe four seeds a day and then I went to bed. I scattered maybe 10 seeds, you know, or maybe 500. 
But my my job isn't to control what this what happens when the seed is scattered. My job is just to be faithful in scattering, or to, to use the Pauline metaphor. I'm just watering. That's all I'm doing. Paul brought this church into existence, and I'm just watering it. But God is the one causing the growth. So implied in that is it's simply my faithfulness. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a predetermined agenda for how this thing's going to go. And so much of what Jesus does is war against predetermined agendas, right? Certainly on the messianic side, here was the Messiah you're supposed to be. But even as he talks about the Holy Spirit, he's like, hey, think about the wind, you know? I mean, good luck harnessing that. Well, my, like, you're doing my is personal agenda is so short-sighted. So it's like you, it's just anytime I feel like if I have to take a breath and look at what I am trying, like what my intent is or, or how I'm postured in a certain thing. And if I find that I'm trying really hard to push something that I think is important or whatever, I have to test that just uh, yes. within that kind of thing. But for me, like the fruit, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but off the top of my head, when I think of this, wrong. it was wrong. It was all like a how, what when, where, why, like yeah. Yeah. fruit seems to be an embodiment that creates a community or an environment that is healthy and, but not for my gain, it's yeah. for the benefit and the flourishing of the community I'm part of. Outcomes always feel like they're result oriented. Like yeah. you have a of goal course. that you're trying to hit and yeah. then you're doing what you can, like you said, to hit that goal. So they just, they feel right. antithetical to me. I don't, fruit doesn't feel well, like an outcome. Be. Yeah. I mean, I think so, just those so, words way to define in my head, they feel yeah. opposites. So, so an example of our church, we, we wanted to have our church centered around the table. Right. right? And the fruit of a centered church around the table is kindness, compassion, curiosity. There's no way you create those things. So what we did is we said, well, I, we don't know how to create those things, but it seems like it's really important to practice. So we started doing communion every week and talking about it this way. We we started uh, an outcome that was called the table, which we do once a month where the church mm -hmm. gathers around homes, around tables and just I've been to together. One. Yeah, exactly. Now, that's something we could control, right? That's an environment that we could control. But the fruit of that is so beyond us. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. there is a place where outcome and fruit can be synced. And so, you know, we can we can have leadership practices that, that embody humility. Yeah. We can have leadership practices that embody transparency. I think and that's what I meant by the, the how, what, when, where, yeah, why. Totally. Like how, what's yes. the genesis point of... Yeah. Whatever so there is. are there are things that look like faithfulness and then there are things that you can only see later. You just call faithfulness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So so Jesus, I don't know if Jesus ever tells us Paul, he uses the word outcome, I know at least one place, but I don't know what their Greek work is, but he just said consider the outcome of their way of life. Mm -hmm. And I think there he means the fruit of their life. And if you've been around people who like are slavishly um, discipled by political discourse, there is a fruit to their life that is the inevitable consequence of being immersed in that. <coughs> Likewise, if people have imagination saturated by the community spirit and the scripture, 
then they, they, they should have a different sort of fruit, but it's not outcome oriented. Um, although outcomes can help provide an environment for fruit, if that makes sense. Yeah. One example I want to use about the difference is parenting or marriage. Um, and I, I want to introduce this and then we got a question about parenting. And, um, so, so I was told that the goal of my parenting is to make sure my kids are Christian. Mm -hmm. That's the outcome, right? That is, and that's the sole purpose of the family is to produce more Christian, you know, children who then become Christian adults. So that's the outcome. Um, rather than the fruit of a lifetime of journeying together, it's the outcome. And when I saw the outcome that way, then I, I elevated as certain things like making sure they prayed the prayer, making sure they went to church, making sure they believed the right things, uh, making sure they were baptized, you know, going to church camp and so on, so on, so on. And, 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 and often, you know, a lot of, a lot of Christian parents like us make the same sort of error where we're so fixated on the outcome, we're missing the person in the middle of it. You know what I mean? And, and we've defined the outcome so narrowly. Well, they've prayed a prayer and been baptized that we're ignoring what the actual fruit is of their life. Are they anxious? Exactly. Are they controlling? Are they angry? Are they whatever? And, and so where I've had to walk in deep, like repentance is we were handed a book um, called growing kids God's way. And, um, and this book was, I mean, and, and we had parenting classes on it. We like, there was a whole, we were all young families. Uh, there were a bunch of us at, young families at Rock Harbor. And so we were all kind of raising our kids together. And this was sort of the manual and it had to do with teaching kids to soothe themselves, putting them on schedules, not letting them run the household, making them sleep in separate <laughs> beds, whatevs. Whatevs. And we can debate the merit of all of those things. I want but to the tired. absolute blasphemy of attaching that form to God's way. I mean, I'm, I'm sickened that I did not call that BS for what it is. And I got, we got this email, <laughs> dear Christ followers. Oh, I thought, I don't know if he means us. Oh, or Seth. <laughs> so he didn't specify. Yeah. So we'll answer it on behalf. I'm just so used to being like, dear heretics. So now that we've got no, the Christ followers, just no joking, JK, us, LOL. No ha, one ha, calls ha. us heretics. <laughs> oh, dear Christ followers, which is a great way to open. I really appreciate the podcast and how it has provoked me to think more deeply, be more curious and ask more questions. So we would look, so we didn't sit down and say, Hey, how do you have an outcome that produces this? Exactly. But if we ask, Hey, do we, do we like what our podcast is doing? And people say, this is the fruit in me. We're like, yes, that's fruit that we really value. This brings me to a question that's been heavy on my heart for a while. Me and my wife attend a church. That's a little more on the boundary set side, but it's where God is. God is has us. And rather than give up, we want to live out Christ in the context we found ourselves in. Now, let me just stop there and say, how freaking awesome is that? Because mm -hmm. our first, my first response is to be like, I'm out, dude, no way. For their response to be, no, I, I think we're called here. Even though we really don't agree with this, oof, I, I just admire that. Mm -hmm. 
we are taking a parenting class and they are very supportive of using the rod. So this, the rod is from Proverbs. Use the rod or spoil the child. Like those are the options. You've got to use the rod to discipline or spank or you spoil the child. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, We're taking a parenting class and they are very supportive of using the rod in a quote, biblical way. As I've tried to follow Jesus, this has been hard for me to reconcile. (laughs) I know training my kids is important. I want to teach them to respect authority. I was spanked growing up and it never made me doubt my parents' love for me. But at the same time, I've come to realize that it may have played a part in the person I've come to be now. Hmm. I'm extremely hard on myself. I'm constantly trying to please everyone. I have a tendency towards self-hate, self-harm, and self-destruction. I never feel good enough. And even when faced with unconditional love, I don't know if the discipline I received as a child played into there or not, but either way, I have a hard time seeing Jesus asserting authority over uh, uh, over someone through force. Mm-hmm. I do discipline our kids, but I don't like it. I feel awful every time it comes to that. I don't know what to do, but I'm not sure what's right. There is a lot in Proverbs about the value of the rod. Oh, Proverbs has much timeless wisdom in it, and I don't want to just ignore that. Do you have any insight? Well, dear listener, let's talk about outcomes and fruit, shall we? Um, so disclaimers. Uh, most of you who've listened to this have met my children in some capacity. Nate's 20, <laughs> Hannah's true. 18. Seth, of course, rock star. Um, you will know from their interactions with me that like we have a, um, a close relationship, but it is not even remotely perfect or, uh, have they made choices that I would have preferred them to make in human life? Um, and so, So I want to just set out that I don't trust parenting advice from hardly anybody. Um, And so I hesitate to give some. Um, Tim might be the better parent of the two of us, but there still works in progress. So (laughs) at the beginning of the progress. Yeah. So, so we'll throw some ideas out, but we're hardly experts is my point. hundred percent. If the outcome of our parenting is that these kids are walking with Jesus their whole lives, then I don't know if I'm successful or not. Um, one of my kids has loads of questions and it isn't sure they buy this. Mm-hmm. Another kid sees value in, in church, but kind of as an add-on to an already over full life. Mm-hmm. If my sole goal or the sole outcome I'm measuring is, well, they're they're walking faithfully with Jesus right now, I'm not sure I've met that goal. Mm-hmm. But that's not been my goal. My goal has been that we would be close and they would see me as, at this point in their life, as a source of wisdom, as a source of encouragement, and a source of comfort, even when they know I don't approve of whatever it is they've gotten into, I simply do not care about what their behavior is because their relationship and our relationship is more important to me. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying this well because I care obviously about their behavior. Right. But but 
I'm prioritizing wanting to be a part of their life over correcting every little thing they do wrong. Does that make sense? Yes. And so um, when I when I come across anything, and this goes back to the spanking bit about the rod or the biblical way to discipline, I think that is hot freaking garbage. <laughs> Even the claim that this is God's way. So let's deconstruct this a little bit. First, Proverbs are not laws. They're not rules. They're not commands. They're not covenants. Proverbs, if the point of the proverb is, hey, discipline your kids, then great. But the point of the proverb isn't, hey, you must discipline your kids this way. Mm -hmm. The point of the proverb is discipline your kids, right? The details of the proverb are never to be um, identified with the point the proverb is making. That's why proverbs can be timeless. Mm -hmm. The tortoise and the hare, is it really about speed versus slowness? No, it's about perseverance, right? It doesn't matter if you like, so, so like spare the rod, spoil the child. Well, in one sense, that is true. If the rod stands for discipline, which in Proverbs it does. Um, so that anybody would take, I mean, you have two Proverbs that say, do not answer a fool according to his folly. And then another one, I think it's in the next verse that says, answer a fool according to his folly. And they give two different rationales for that. Mm -hmm. The point is wisdom, not rulemaking. And if there's anything that I want to say to other parents out there, it is that, that Jesus following has been used to guilt kids and shame kids into hiding and pretending. For and we call time. that Christian versus being, I'm so secure in my relationship with God and I'm so secure in God's love of them that I don't have to control them in order to get them to follow Jesus. Actually, so seed. They see my life. They know what I do. They've listened to me preach. They see me on the stage. They see me at home. They see me fight with my wife. They see me repent of sins against our family. They've seen it, right? Mm -hmm. But the last thing I've ever done with that is mandate that they follow in those footsteps. Right. You can't guarantee that outcome. And any attempt to control Jesus following as an outcome will guarantee it doesn't happen or at least not in the way that you want it to happen. My kids are drifting into Jesus following, not because I'm asking, controlling, or manipulating them, but simply because as they explore the world outside of their own experience within our family, they're seeing some of the like just desperation and emptiness of the ways of life their friends are choosing and the things that they've experienced themselves. So it's like sexuality. I was told that outcomes mean that to teach my kids about sex means to teach them not to have sex before marriage and to teach them where the lines are and that if they have sex before marriage, it will be bad and that God won't reward them um, afterwards. We've not taught them that. We've taught them about having a, a healthy relationship with their sexuality, which means pornography and masturbation and all the things and recognizing that they are very sexual creatures these days. And that going, that getting to marriage as a virgin isn't what the goal of Jesus following is, right? It's like alcohol. We knew that they drank before they turned 21. We And we encourage them to have healthy relationships with alcohol. People would freak out because we're not keeping the rules there. Mm -hmm. But my kids have come back and they've said, Dad, 
I have two drinks and then I go home because I don't want to be like that. Right. It, it, the truth is this making any sense? I don't Absolutely. know. I've, I've wanted to talk about this for so long and I don't want to present myself as some sort of expert because the kids can go off the deep end tomorrow. The yeah. outcome isn't that my kids don't go off the deep end. The outcome I want more than anything else is that I'm still allowed to be part of their lives, their deep lives, their true lives, their mistakes, their darkness, their, the, the wants they have that they know aren't right. My therapist put it this way. The opposite of shame is connection. And so much, so much of parenting, at least in my experience, under the guise of Jesus following is shaming. Yeah, 100%. And, and, and driving those kids into hiding, that you're not safe with their ugliness. You're not safe with their badness. You're not safe with like normal teenage desires, right? When we freak out over symptoms, we let roots go undressed. I mean, good Lord, no wonder they hide. No yeah. wonder they hide. Shame and, and fear. And so the poker face required as your kids actually open up and tell you the real things they think, the real things they've done, the real things their friends do, <laughs> and to just sit there and connect with them in the midst of that has been one of the hardest things ever and one of the most rewarding because the outcome has not been, hey, these kids are following Jesus and having quiet times every day. The outcome has been, hey, they're making their way through this and they still invite me into the very depths of what's going on in their life. Man, I'll take that any day of the week. Yeah. No one comes into the kingdom by nagging, by spanking, by freaking criticizing their kids. I mean, think about how God treats us. I know, and man, I'm going off here and I, I, I don't it. know. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I don't, there's so many disclaimers I want to give. Don't give any disclaimers. I think you have nailed it. And obviously we have, we're, we're a work in progress. You're a little bit ahead of me. And, but even that's a weird thing to say because your kids are three unique individuals. Totally. With three unique paths and three unique journeys. And my kids are two unique people. And then for my kids, they're so opposite of each other. There would be, yeah. if I, if I was trying to instill, if I was trying to rule no the house with one way of yeah. doing things, I would lose them both totally. and nothing constructive would come of it. But like, I have one really peaceful, like over, uh, just really empathetic and emotional kid. And then one yeah. wild spirit that pushes boundaries and fights and I cannot react to them the same way. Yeah. We're learning with the younger one who's so spirited how to, what are the best things for kids? What's the best mm -hmm. way to drop a kid off at school? What is the attitude, the environment within the car that you should cultivate to set that kid up for success that day? And the same thing before they go to bed. How do you build that and conjure that? And then how do you give them discernment skills and critical thinking so that they can yeah. ask hard questions and feel safe to ask hard yeah. questions? Yeah. If they ask a hard question that I don't agree with, me spanking them or putting fear <laughs> or in them. Or even shaming them for, yeah. What yes. It, like, think of all the shaming statements, like, you're, you know, that come with discipline. Like, you're so much trouble. Or yeah. what's wrong with you? What's I mean, wrong with you? Those are tragedies. Yeah. You're dehumanizing uh, so, them. Yes. So, I, I wish I had a, I, I really wanted to write an organized flow through this because I have so much emotion around it. 
Um, and I just couldn't, I wrote 30 pages of notes and I just was like, okay, I'm just, it's just going to come out. And so it's coming out awful, but to the person who's asking the question, um, no, if it feels wrong to hit your kid, don't hit your kid. Yeah. All right. Simple. Particularly like we tried spanking Nate and it just didn't feel good because that's what we did. That's what our parents did to us. That's what everyone mm -hmm. was doing. We didn't like the way it felt. And I noticed it one time when Nate had hit somebody and I'm spanking him on his bottom for hitting somebody. Yeah. What weird ass message is that? Literally. We discipline our kids. But my goodness, the number the number of times we've done it is maybe four or five. Like we make them talk to us. Yeah. I go out to breakfast with them. We uh, we show up at sporting events. Like we just drive connection. There are times my kids will be so upset with me, and I'll just sit in their room and read a book and say, mm -hmm. "I'm not leaving because I love you and yeah. want to be connected with you, even yes. in this." Yes. I love you in your ugliness, kids. And I, the reason I can is because I've been loved that way. Like parenting should just be what Jesus has done, which is, of course, tell the truth. And which is, of course, there are times convict. Absolutely. But in every other way, it's been invitation into connection. And it's been his kindness that's led to repentance. Right? They don't. I, I just I'm so adamantly opposed to just design to pointing at one expression of manhood and calling it biblical, one expression of parenting and calling it biblical, one expression of marriage and calling it biblical, one expression of parenting and calling it biblical. It's such bullshit. Yeah. It is such bullshit. And it's blasphemous. The point of Proverbs is to give wide guardrails. Guys, it's important to discipline your kids. And what's been great is that because our kids are so different, we've disciplined them all differently. Like yeah. what was disciplined, exactly what you're saying, what was disciplined for, for Nate was not disciplined at all for Hannah. Yeah. You know? Because they're unique so, individuals. Uh, I just, exactly. You're actually receiving them as gifts and humans and you're not, there is a time when they're little for coercive power. Absolutely. You know, I mean, there was one time Seth got in a sensory, like sensory cycle so bad. He was throwing things at a restaurant and I swatted him on the booty. And, and for whatever reason, that sensory input like helped him kind of snap out of it and wake up. There are times you know, if your kid's running out in the middle of traffic or they've, you know, there are times for coercive discipline. I get that. But man, that's not the go to as a questioner said. That's not a Jesus thing. Jesus, the way God disciplines is through wisdom and its influence and its community and its conviction, but it's conviction within covenant. And that's where we've talked about this before, this thing that Scott McKnight does about the kinds of love that are displayed when God makes a covenant with Israel, mm -hmm. that God is committed to them, that God is committed to be with them, that God is for them. Yeah. And in that environment, God then towards them. He loves them towards maturity. I have a role as a parent to toward my kids towards maturity. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But that only comes into like real transformative shape if they believe deeply that I'm with them, that I'm for them, and that I'm committed to them no matter what. So even when my kids prayed the prayer, I said, I don't care I didn't say that. I said, even if you didn't pray this, I would still love you and be proud of yeah. you. 
even when they got baptized, whatever, when they're asking big questions, when they're disagreeing entirely with whatever. Again, no expert, but I want to really resist this biblical parenting idea to say, I think that is one of the most harmful things we can do to our children is label one way of parenting biblical. I just yeah. think it's nonsense. And it's really, really harmful. The patience thing, and, like when you go, like you said, sitting in the room, letting, letting the, letting them process their emotions, that you're being patient sitting with them through that, which is a, a extraordinary version of love. And it can be a version of correction too, but you're giving them the space to allow them to have those things. When I think about being spoiled, I think about like not having an awareness or um, not being able to discern well. And so you're kind of like your, your vantage point is, is very, it's like tunnel vision almost. Yeah. And I feel like spanking is on, on, like often the exact same thing. It's, it's a, it's an easy reaction to something that, yeah is asking for more time and patience. Right. It'd be easier for me to take my wild child and just hit her yeah. and yeah. show that I am bigger and stronger yeah. and that I yeah. can shut this scene down. That does yeah. nothing in love for her at all. There, there, and, and I wanna, I wanna open up the possibility, like I've used dad voice before sure. with my kids when they were little, where I would come in and, and with loads of authority in my voice, raise my voice towards, you know, I remember, uh, it doesn't matter. I won't tell stories about them. Um, so I'm all, I, I, I want to, there are times, I'm not saying that there aren't times. Um, <laughs> Seth just carried down two posters of our older two. Um, there's Nate's senior soccer picture. Thank you, Seth. And then this, what, what do you got? Hannah's senior soccer poster. Okay. Perfect. You know, what's interesting is I found that when I raise my voice Thank often, you. it is in, it'll, it'll be an escalating thing, usually with the spirited one where yeah. she's raising her voice and then I'm trying to outdo that. And I, yeah. and this is just me, but when I walk away from those situations where I have, oh, I just, oh. I, all I realize is that I, yeah, that was not my best self. And that was no, not me loving no. her the way that she needed no. to be seen and heard and love in that moment. And I, so this is a thing, not just with parenting, but just with being a human being in my forties is that I'm trying to, I'm leaning really hard into, I was talking to Gambas about this yesterday. I'm leaning really hard into trying to really understand what it means to be human in the in yeah. the ways that the Bible talks about and that God advocates for, not in the ways that the church has taught me, but in the right. in what it means right. to live into full humanity and what it means to to like encourage that in other people. And yeah. so a lot of that is a lot of patience and knowing when to hold my tongue and knowing when to discern and that's knowing right. how to do these things. And it's that's a lot of work. But it's, Dude, I'm doing it's it out of love yeah. and trying to uh, like yes. exalt and lift up other people. So that has to be the way I live with my family too. I try with to do that with parenting. my kids. Yeah, exactly. See, there, We so, know what the so, boundaries do. <laughs> yeah. Well, boundary-focused parenting, right, is often fear-based. Yeah. And it's my the goal of my parenting is to get, get my kids to be the uh, behave in certain ways. So mm -hmm. it's sin management. 
gifts and 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 that's yeah i mean that and that's how we see so that's how we see jesus with us it's not surprising we look at our kids and say okay well stop doing that i i'm I'm more interested in formation so how does jesus form me and and you know because very often jesus will look at my behaviors and go okay well that's really that's super not great but that's not the issue those behaviors come from somewhere. Yes. And because you've been formed into a certain kind of person through repeated habits, patterns, believing. That takes a lot whatever. of work to get out of that. And it takes a lot of work. So I'm interested in being a voice that forms rather than a voice that manages sin. Yes. So, so you know, we're, we're constantly blessing. And, and instead of uh, shaming is in terms of identity, we're blessing in terms of identity. Um. And there are behaviors that need to stop and there are behaviors that need to do. But like with our kids in grades, um, we didn't, uh, we said, okay, the outcome for us, we, we know you're smart. You're differently smart. We know you're smart. And so here, here's our expectation about what your grades will be like. We will not manage your bedtimes, your social calendars, your curfews, unless for safety. Um, if you've met this threshold, fantastic. Um, we weren't going to fight bedtimes every night. We weren't going to fight. The, the only battle we fought, and, and this was, man, this was brutal, but it was it was social media and it was phones. Mm. And they didn't get social media until late. They didn't, get, they didn't get smartphones until late. And that was hard on them and hard on us because it was hard on them. But again, I don't want to present as like we've got it right. I'm just saying that I, I wanted to fight a battle that would allow me to be friends with my kids when, when they're 35, mm-hmm. when they would feel comfortable saying to me, Hey, I really blew it with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that means there it's just what you said. You've got to prioritize some things and not worry about other things, you know, and it's super, super hard to do, but what you're presenting is center set parenting. It's mm-hmm. invitational. It's focused on the center, which for parenting is a relationship with me, with them, with me and them, and ultimately Jesus, right? That's the center. The center is their relationship with me. So they're either turning towards me or are turning away from me and me mm-hmm. with them too. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't measure how good they're doing on the basis of some outcome. I measure how good they're doing on the basis of how connected we are. Mm-hmm. into their real lives, you know? I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know if this is helpful. I'm t- I want to re-record it all. So I, I, think it's I think it's provoking the important questions. And again, this is going to be different for every family and every place and every walk of life. But I think that's the point. Like, I think that's why there's not a like a really specific blueprint for how to be like what you, what a human, what, what is a Christian supposed to do every single day? Like get up and follow these yeah. 25 yeah. steps throughout your day. Instead, it's these postures and these ways of living and these ways of engaging in the people around you and that kind of stuff. Like God's inviting us into something that we have agency in. And yeah. that's really cool. But where the agency is, is on the faithful part, not the outcome part. Absolutely. And I think that you see that like, This was a great, you did a good job with your segue. The fruits and outcomes with kind of how you do some of these things with your children, um, both before and after the fact, you know, before the action that you want to discipline and after the discipline has happened, however that works for you, 
right. those out though the postures within those i think are a little different and mm, i don't know it's just been it's been i i've just i keep thinking i had such a re, a, a revolution and a revelation when i realized that i've i've been ashamed and afraid my whole life yeah and in what shame has done is it's it's kept me isolated and yes. and so like when when people like you and others who are close to me have seen some of my deep ugliness and have chosen you know to stay connected to me um that was that was revolutionary for me absolutely i just didn't I had been so isolated in megachurch land and in professional holiness land that I was just convinced, you know, I couldn't, I could never be, be truly ugly. And um, even though I knew, of course, the ugliness was in there. And so the idea of loving our kids in their badness or demonstrating presence in their badness so that when bad happens, they turn to us mm -hmm. and not away from us good lord that's been revolutionary well the ugliness and the badness is not who they are it's not who you are it's not who i am it's right. symptoms of other things that are kind of entwined within us and so it's so important nobody, to not that's it well, our that's generation it. is just like this is my this is what therapy has been for me is like one of the one of the avenues of therapy has been unraveling <laughs> this immense shame that's not even rooted in anything tangible for me. Like mm -hmm. there's been these things where it's like, I have a, some kind of weird version of anxiety where my brain will make up uh, terrible events that I didn't do, but it will attach my psyche to them. And I'll start yes. feeling shame and anxiety about things I didn't do, yeah. but I will still go through the process of like going through all of that. And it's terrible. Oh. And you know, my wife will just be like that. You didn't do this. This isn't who you are. Da, 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 da. And I'm, but I'm spiraling on this thing. Mm -hmm. Shame has, and now like I sent you and our mutual friend, that article about how trauma, you know, we've talked about a little bit, but trauma, yeah. they're learning more and more about how trauma is passed down genetically. And I feel like that's a gateway. that's going to show how many other things are passed down genetically that we like, if I have this amount of immense shame in me, do my kids have some of that in them already? Because totally, I'm trying totally. so hard not to set them up for that. <coughs> and, and, and that that's has to the do outcome, with how we right? discipline. Yeah. Totally. So so the outcome can't be them turning out a, a certain way. So, I mean, I, I've, I've seen Christian kids, Christian school, church every Sunday, discipline, Bible memory, the whole thing, All and they go it, crazy. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. And then I've seen kids come from non-Christian parents and turn out to be the most vibrant Jesus followers. So there isn't a formula that we wish there were. And I think because of our fear, we get off of our crosses and we engage in old creation dynamics. And, and for me, that's going back to the first question. That's part of the difference between outcome and fruit. Mm -hmm. Outcome tempts me to engage in old creation dynamics because it's I believe easier. there's something under my control. Exactly. Whereas is fruit for whatever reason forces me into patience and new creation dynamics more often. Mm -hmm. And so I, just yesterday I was, I was thinking about, okay, what are old creation dynamics? And, the, and I just pulled these from, from three of Paul's letters. Um, just three. Old creation dynamics, envy, boasting, pride, 
dishonoring others, self-seeking, being easily angered, keeping records of wrongs, delighting in evil, sexual morality and impurity, idolatry, hatred, discord, division, rage, selfish ambition, factions, drunkenness, conceit, provoking others, greed, deceit, unwholesome speech, bitterness, slander, malice. And I, I find that it's like, it's like politics. If I'm really worried about the future of our country, I'm okay engaging in old creation behavior because it's so important and I have to play my part. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then new creation behaviors. Good Lord. Right. I mean, this is just a dumb list, but think about it. If, if like you literally lived out of love and joy and peace and patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, kindness, and self-control, um, rejoicing with the truth, protecting, trusting, hoping, persevering, humble, keeping unity, speaking truthfully, speaking encouragement and blessing, hospitality, compassion, forgiveness, and thanksgiving. And you're like, wow. Um, I find that boundary life, whether it's parenting, whether it's politics, whether it's marriage, is outcome focused. Yeah. They have to they have to stay in the boundary. And because the outcome is so important, I'm tempted to engage in all the old creation behaviors. Well, you know what's interesting about that too is the boundaries are what are doing the work. True. And so it's it yes. t- again takes away agency or, or responsibility or mm. how you are navigating or how you are interacting within that environment. I was like, yeah. while you were reading those, I was thinking about the diagrams that we made for when we were going through the center bounded fuzzy. Yeah. And with the center one, how, when I was picturing it in my head before we made the things, it was like, there's this space and people are in different spaces within it and that's okay. Right. Like, but with yeah. the boundaries, this constricted thing that, once you're inside the boundary, you're fine. No, there's nothing to worry about anymore. And if you're outside the boundary, well, there's also nothing for us inside the boundary to worry about because they're out there. The yeah. walls do the work. And right. it's just a fascinating. That's a great way to put you that. You really see it a lot though. Like, Well, and it teaches you behavior modification. As long as I behave like a Christian, I don't do have it. to be one. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, so good. Hey, for some reason, I'm feeling very vulnerable about all of this, and I'm not sure why. So I'm just going to say, emailers, be gentle, Um, uh, because I don't know how polished, and I certainly don't want to come across like I know I've got it figured out. I just, I really, I really feel strongly against the rod class. (laughs) (laughs) And... And even in, in therapy around, around marriage, right? I want – so the outcome I want is a healthy marriage. And if I'm not careful, I just sit and think, well, she's the problem. Oh, yeah. If she were X, Y, and Z, then our marriage would be healthier. And, you know, what my therapist does is the exact opposite. He's like, you just worry about your own couch cushion, buddy, which is faithfulness, right? A good marriage isn't up to me. A good husband is. Mm. And so – Dude, I mean, it's just been, it's like, like years ago when I first started going to counseling, my, my therapist said, okay, I want you to make a list of everything you would change about your wife. And I had a list. And, and so he read it back to me and he said, okay, 
So let's talk about being married to her and loving and delighting in her if none of these things change for the next 40 years. Because so, that's what you signed up for. And and it was this, this cold water of, oh, wow, wow. The goal really is faithfulness, right? I can't, I can't control a darn thing. And any attempt to control her boomerangs, you know, into the worst possible scenarios. And that's where a lot of that shame culture from, um, like when you're talking about uh, talking to your kids about sex and whatnot, they were all, those were outcomes, right? It's like, I was told if I didn't, if I waited until I was married, then my, my marriage is gonna be so blessed. And it takes again, your, your, your faithfulness and that kind of stuff out of the equation to a certain extent, because like, if I just achieve these goals, Right. I will, everything will be hunky dory. And yeah. then you get there and it's like, wait, what? Like, yeah, I, there's surrender involved in this. And there's um, like when all the fireworks die down and then we're in 15 years or more of marriage and you're just kind of like, oh, we're, you're still here. I'm still here. <laughs> you know, and it, and it takes like, yeah. it takes you leaning into full humanity and, and lifting up humanity and doing all the things that are hard and can be really hard because that's what love is. It's not yeah. just like a, a list of achievements and goals to. It's the power you know, of love. You've got a four star marriage because you did these things before you got there. I want to know what love is. There it How is. How do I know when it's love? Well, I don't know which kind of love. Yeah. I might, my students Why are can't writing it. this be love? Well, it's interesting. My students are writing, a de- they're writing definition essays right now. You, and Seth. the rules are. You have to pick an abstract idea, not a concrete idea. So you can't write about a table or a ball or a car. Mm. You have to write Mm. about something that can be disputed. So it's like, what, how do you define love? How do you define success? How do you define family trust? Uh, And there, it provokes the most interesting conversations because a lot of them will try to weasel in a little, like whatever (coughs) they were told in church about something. That's like, what does that actually mean though? And like, oh yeah. Yeah. But it's fun. It's fun to like learn that. I don't know. Life is life is a wild ride. Life is a highway. I'm gonna ride it all night long. Oh, as long as it's not a highway to hell, we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good lord! Well, somehow well, Highway to Heaven was a weird show. Is that that was who was that? Michael Landon. Michael Landon. I almost called him Michael Douglas. Wow. I don't. Yeah, I don't think I ever watched. Did he have a dog? For some reason, I have a, a dog. I think that guy, remember, he was an angel, and the other guy that always wore the Oakland A's ball cap, that was the human oh. that interacted with him, he had, a, I think he had a big dog. Okay. All right. All right. Well, somebody in our community will know this. Any Michael update Landon on the had a mane. Like just Any a flowing update on hair. The no, my ultrasound's not until, not next week, but the week after that. Okay. We need a full report, dude. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'll ask him if I can have like the, uh, yeah, the X-ray. We'll post, we'll post it on social we'll media. It. Yes, yes, <laughs> social media. Uh, uh, docs, you were right. You were right. <laughs> All right, Sethi, come here, boy. Okay. He's been burping and walking around. It's only appropriate All after this conversation that he comes in for the blessing. Okay. Totally, dude. You got to do the blessing, all right? Yeah, you do blessing too. Oh, you want us to do it together? Yeah. All right. What? Which one do you want to do? Let's do Swan and Israel. We're gonna do both. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's do we it. Need both. Israel, Adonai Elenehu, Adonai Chad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. 
the oh, Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. Amen. Oh, okay. Do the other one? Yeah. All right. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you. And in these days, may he give us peace. See ya. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this conversation. The Voxology Podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is made possible by listeners just like you. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at patreon.com backslash Podcast or on tithely, tithe.ly, search Voxology Podcast. You can interact with the hosts on Facebook backslash Voxology Podcast or on Instagram at Voxology Podcast and on Twitter or X, whatever it is, at Mike Erie. Thank you, thank you, thank you for walking this long road with us.